0: This edition of The Best of Beer It Is is a CSPN Media podcast presentation.
1: Hey, what's
2: everybody? This is Beer It Is. My name is Tobias Woolborn, and I want to thank the good people at CSPN, Classic and Melody for allowing me to do this show each and every week. This week's special, we're doing a recap of the 23rd anniversary of Red Brick Brewing. Red Brick is one of the stalwarts of Southeast Brewing, one of the first in Georgia. Day and Sweetwater have a little back and forth about who was really first, but nonetheless, they're a very important part of what the beer scene is in the southeast and really excited to talk to Steve Anderson, head brewer. We're going to start with him first. Then we reach out and talk to Garrett Lockhart, who is president and brewmaster at Redbird. All right, boys and girls. My name is Tobias Wilborn. The name of the marquee of the show is Beer It Is on the CSPN network and I'm at I guess I would call it a special place for me. Um, This is where I fell in love with craft beer, going back to Atlanta Brewing Company days. Now it is Red Brick, and they're getting ready to do something very special. This is the week of their 23rd anniversary, and I am here with head brewer, the brew master, Steve Anderson. What's up, Steve?
3: Doing good. Doing good. Glad to be talking to you. Cool story. kind of. I didn't realize we were the ones that got you into craft beer. I mean, it wasn't we back then in 93, but... uh... Uh, yeah, it's a cool story.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those spots where going back to the old brown ale, going back mm-hmm. to, you know, just a lot of those beers, some of them have been discontinued, some of them have remained around, particularly laughing skull. It's kind of seeing what craft beer could do. So you know, that was one of the spots I come to on a pretty regular basis. So, you know, really glad to get you guys on the show. So we'll start with you. How did you get here where you are today? I was kind of a
3: long process. Uh, I went to school to be a park ranger, essentially. Okay. Where'd you go to school? georgia southern okay oh down in so the, the borough yeah and natural resource management from georgia mm-hmm. southern and then moved out to colorado to kind of pursue that career and uh didn't really work out a <laughs> whole it. lot of jobs opening up back during the recession so uh but i did start homebrewing out there and kind of fell in love with the brewing process and all that so ended up moving back home a few years later continued to homebrew a lot started working at a homebrew store and managing that store so we were doing nationwide homebrew sales and nice learned a ton about brewing there and then decided i don't want to pursue it further and started helping out with burnt hickory when they opened up Mm -hmm. and then uh that kind of led to meeting some of the guys here and man steve over there so okay first of all Scott's bat shit
2: crazy over there (laughs) (laughs) it's of spot by the way we get to scott you're listening to beer it is on the cspa network let's get right into that we're here at the anniversary you mentioned burnt hickory and you guys are doing a really fun beer with them man yeah yeah so carrot cake
3: yeah so beer called governor spike it's a carrot cake belgian double uh and it was something we brewed back at burn Hickory. It was actually an original collaboration between my brother and I. Mm-hmm. He works over at Stout Brothers Craft Beer Market. Nice. And uh, he's a trained chef, so he always liked to do culinary influence stuff when we brewed at the house. So, you know, he had this idea, like, let's do a carrot cake beer. And I was like, yeah, like that. like that idea. Brewed a small batch of it. Tasted really good. And then uh, we were already pretty good buddies with Scott, since he was a very regular customer at the homebrew store. Nice, and, nice. Uh, he was nice enough to let us go over there and brew it on his system. And uh, so we grew up a three barrel batch over there and put it out under their label as Governor Spike, and uh, something I can't really do here on the big system because of the, the sheer amount of carrots. And <laughs> yeah, so that's and a lot of stuff going all on. All very there, right? handmade and hand caramelized. You know, everything's cooked in small batches. I don't have a way to do that here on the big system, but uh, we were able to brew up a small batch on our pilot system, uh, kind of as a throwback to that. Uh, you know, part of. You know what got me here is part of the history, so it was kind of fun to do for the anniversary party. We also wanted to team up with some of our, you know, favorite Georgia breweries too. So we ended up doing four or five collaborations. So okay,
2: well, two things. We'll start with this. Um, who else? I saw I saw on Twitter, you guys had Wrecking Bar. Yep. Uh, tell me about that beer you're doing with them.
3: Yeah, that was a really fun one. Uh, we, we wanted to do something unique. Uh, Gavin, Neil, and I are all good buddies, uh, mm-hmm. so we were hanging out up here. Doing some planning for the little Five Points Halloween Parade. We're co-sponsors with them. Nice, good stuff. Designing a beer for that. And while they were here, we just got into a discussion about maybe doing a small collaboration for the anniversary party. Mm. And we decided we wanted to do something kind of unique, and we ended up deciding to go with an elderberry goza. But to throw a little twist in, we wanted to do an alternative source... Of lactobacillus for the souring. Ooh, okay. So we actually pulled some uh, some brine from their uh, their mm-hmm. homemade sauerkraut at the Wrecking Bar. Oh, interesting. And uh, it was a whole mix of different stuff. So in that, there. Would that would that kind of give it like the little salty kind of you know, thing. Yeah, there that, is some that, salt that, in that, there, that's so we contributed doses? some. And right. we also added some more salt later on. But we got a very unique uh, sour profile in the kettle. We did some kettle souring with it mm. from that uh, sauerkraut brine, and it, it doesn't taste anything like sauerkraut. Right. But it was a very unique uh, a unique taste. So it didn't get you know. It's it's a nice balance. It's right at a good tartness level, and then uh, we brewed the beer, soured it, mm. boiled it again to kill off everything that was in it, pitched clean yeast into it, nice. and then uh, we added salt, coriander, like a traditional goza, mm. and then we also had some elderberries that uh, Gavin had harvested when he was out on a walk with his dog. Okay. Uh, so locally foraged elderberries in there as well. Wow. Which added a nice little bit of uh, color and a nice little bit of tartness and flavor from the berries too. So it's, overall, it's a very well balanced, great drinking
2: beer. Nice. And speaking of collaborations. I'm here at Redbrick. My name's Tobias Woolborn. The name of the show is Beard Is. And, man, we're collabing, just rapping about this beard thing. with well, my man, Steve Anderson, head brewer here at Redbrick. And the system's unique, but we talked about collaborations a little bit, right? Um, what does collaboration mean to you? Because, like, there's some places, and I'm not going to get into naming names on that, who collaboration means, okay, add that hop, and then they're gone. What does a collaboration mean to you?
3: I like really working hand-in-hand hand with somebody else and either... Designing something together, or or brewing something that represents a moment in time, mm. uh, in that manner we did one with Reformation as well. Yeah, I like those guys. Yeah, yeah great guys. And uh, I call him the Pastor and the Pilot, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So Nick came out here and brewed with us on the SavCon. We brewed an American Brown Ale. Ooh, okay. Uh, the recipe was actually all his, but there's a great story behind it. Uh, before I was working here or anywhere else, actually, I was still working at the homebrew shop, mm-hmm. and uh, I got invited by Nick to a brew day when they were still brewing in the backyard. Oh, wow, the okay. So they are having a big, you know, they had a bunch of people bring chili, they had a bunch of beers on tap, having a big get-together while they right. brewed. So nice, kind of you nice. know, promote the and brewery type of thing. Mm-hmm. I like so it. So I was up in the ball ground, drove up, got lost, couldn't find a place, circled around a few times, finally gave up, <laughs> and started to drive home. And on the way back home, we actually found a house. Nice. Found a party. And uh, went I had a few beers, met those guys, great guys. But that's also where I met our president brewmaster garrett lockhart wow who was uh then the head brewer here Mm. Uh, and we had a nice little talk and just kind of you know chatted had a couple beers didn't think anything of it but then kind of kept me in the game when they needed to hire somebody on as a brewer here so by going up there and you know meeting garrett it's kind of what got me in the door here so it's a cool little throwback to fortuitous bounce man yeah yeah so we, we brewed the beer we brewed was the beer they were brewing that day wow at the uh in their backyard while they're brewing so okay. we went back and just rebrewed that recipe.
2: So let's get into that brown ale. I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't want to get like to recipes or yeast strains, that's you know a little bit too esoteric, and you know, I don't want to yeah. get into that. But
3: first of all, nobody really
2: brews the brown one anymore, it's kind of become like a almost passe beer, unfortunately. Yeah, but it's one of my favorite styles, so I agree. It's just, I agree. It drinks really good. You can go high ABB on it. you can go slow session on it. you can go whatever you want to on a, on a good brown. Ale. But tell me about yours, man. With this, this one, particular yeah. one,
3: yeah. It's, yeah, so it's, it's Nick's, you know, Reformation's recipe. But it's American-style mm-hmm. brown, so a little more hop-forward. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's still got a great malt backbone uh, Just a touch of cherrywood smoked malt in it, which actually adds a real nice depth and complexity. It doesn't taste like a smoked beer by any means, but okay. uh, it adds a real nice... I think that's depth what I want to, to, to try for a good <laughs> And then, uh, you know, a lot of hops. And a little bit of dry hops in there as well. A mix of citrus and some more spicy, earthy hops. Uh, so it's a good balance to everything. And it, it actually drinks really well. We were testing the carbonation on it earlier today, and... Uh, had a little sip, and it's, it's drinking really good. Nice. So um, what, what, what would ABV be on that, Me? I think that was in the, the sixes. I'd have to go back and check the next one.
2: It's like a nice, good, oh, yeah. easy-drinking easy brown now By the way, the anniversary party will be between 11, right? No, start it at 11, a, last 11. at 4.15. So, yeah, so it'll be daytime. I'm assuming this place is going to be teaming with people, so yep. people outside. So that'll be a beer you can sit outside and still drink it on what will probably be a mid-80-degree day. Hopefully.
3: Fingers crossed. <laughs> Hopefully. No but rain. No.
2: Yep. it's just a good time. So... Let's get into your story a little bit, man. So we talked about how you started. What is the first thing you brewed on, man?
3: Like homebrew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An apartment stove. (laughs) A little two-and-a-half-gallon kettle doing extract (laughs) partial boil batches. And
2: what was your mash done?
3: It wasn't even a mash. It was all extract. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, The first first batch was 100% extract and hops, and that was it. So
2: what what was the beer? Do you remember?
3: It was an American Ember Ale. Okay, Uh, okay. A kit from a local homebrewing store out in Boulder.
2: Nice. And so what was it like? Being in Carter, I mean, because going from Statesboro, in, what, what, what year range was that?
3: Was it like... Um, 2000 to 2005.
2: Okay, so that was actually funny enough. I graduated high school in 99. 92. I was in Statesboro, yeah, from 99 to 01. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, played ball down there, threw up my knee. I'll tell you that story later. <laughs>
1: um,
2: but yeah, so I was in the borough, and let's just put it this way. It's a dry county, you know, mm-hmm. still, even though now Eagle Creek's down there, they're doing a bang-up job, I think. Um, but yeah, everybody's drinking PBR down there.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah PBR, a much of a beer scene out there. Yeah. I was already into beer somewhat then. Uh, so what were you drinking then because I was probably the weird guy down there drinking you know quartin Cage things from Amagong, a, a lot of Avery beers and stuff like that so how were you getting a hold to it oh I mean they sold, they sold beer in states for us wait, wait, I, they, they, they don't no, have, I mean, have a ton but I drive home to Atlanta a lot grab stuff up here ok because
2: by then by that 99, 2000 there was I mean obviously Red Brick was, had been around I think by then the break off of Sweetwater had come around yeah. so and Terrapin was going so there was a little bit of good beer in Atlanta yeah, no there yeah. was
3: there were some good beers mm-hmm. and I guess but I, mean, I guess the alcohol laws hadn't even changed then. Yeah, I hadn't changed. No, no, they no, hadn't old, changed then. Yeah, was like, old enough to drink. Right, but, right. Uh, By the way, 21
2: and up here on beer it is, but, you yeah. know, that uh, being said, you know, how things go. So,
3: yeah, yeah, toward the end, you know, that's when I started getting more into uh, into local beers, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I was doing a lot of tariff and side projects stuff like that. Uh, it was a good mix of stuff. It was it? a good mix of stuff. But I was never really into... Cheap American beer, Isn't fair enough.
2: So you're, you're lucky, and it's one of the things I as I talk about now because I do a lot of work out of Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. So there's proof down there, and there's like a bunch of really good breweries in Gainesville. There's like good breweries. So like a lot of these SEC towns, they're like really good breweries now. So like there's college kids who are 21 and up. Um, they're drinking. They're literally coming out, starting drinking good beer. Whereas like for me, I was definitely drinking TBR call Boys. That's definitely,
3: it's it. a, definitely a Golden Age for craft right now. Like, it is man. Really like really get involved
2: in it early, but you were in Colorado right after college mm-hmm. was it about 2005 yeah 2005, somewhere
3: 2006 somewhere not and
2: i mean their beer scene had already been crazy i mean yeah like, you, see, you mentioned yeah, was, avery i mean wrecking bridge i mean we can go on down yeah. the line naming breweries so what was it
3: like when you were there were you drink a lot of that stuff oh tons of it i mean yeah all the time all the time and it was a blast uh <laughs> being out there and being you know immersed in that kind of beer culture was a lot of fun that's really what got me into it i mean you couldn't everybody ran into it out there homebrew mm-hmm. you know it's the, the homebrew center of U.S. probably, I mean, especially at that time, mm-hmm. uh, with the homebrewers association being out in Boulder and the brewers association being out there. Uh, so I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd be in line at the home store and the guy behind you would be Charlie Capaccio. Wow! Buying ingredients there to wow. do his own stuff.
2: Just so. that, just some home stuff, not even for the big. Food, yeah, yeah,
3: no, just for just for the homebrew stuff. And, I, and that would happen. That's happened multiple times out there. So, was, you know, the people in the scene out there were very knowledgeable, and it was great. You know, so there was a lot a lot to work with. so It definitely got me intrigued on the hobby. And hooked on a hobby.
2: Nice, man. I tell you what, one place you can find out a lot about that hobby is here on, Beer it is, on the CSPAN network. My name is Tobias Wilborn. Here at Red Brick, you know, I kind of consider this place home, man. And like I said, um, people here have always treated me well, so I really appreciate getting to hang out with a man here, Steve Anderson, head brewer, talking about his story, talking about Red Brick as they celebrate their 23rd anniversary, man. Speaking of anniversary, that means there's an anniversary beer.
3: There is, yeah. So we kind of uh, took a different approach this year. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing a full size production batch, we decided to do something that's only going to be released here at the brewery. Mm. Uh, so it's not really going to make it outside the brewery walls. And we want to do something fun, so we uh, we've been messing around with some barrel aged sours. We decided to go that route. Uh, so what we came up with was an American Wild Ale, uh, it's a mm. blend of. Uh, Whiskey and rum barrel aged beers. Okay. Uh, One of them was a Solera barrel, so it's had a lot of different stuff put in it.
2: Ooh, Uh, okay. It was
3: originally our Solera Project One that we released back in April. Mm -hmm. Put some more beer back into that and let that continue to to go. And it already just takes on all those uh, characters. Yeah, it has. It had a very uh, fruity and floral character to it with multiple strains of Brett and a little bit of lactobacillus in it. Nice. Uh, Even kind of like a rosy character to it. I really like that one. I blended that with some other barrels. Uh, One was uh, uh, a batch of Three Bagger. Mm, okay. Uh, Belgian triple, right? right and yeah. We, uh, yeah, that's the
2: OKays rum. Yeah,
3: yeah. We dosed that with uh, with a bunch of different stuff, lacto, PDO, mm. Brett, the whole range, and uh, let that go for like a year and a half, and then wow. so blended some of those together uh, to make the uh, to make the 23rd anniversary American Wild Ale. So it's got a lot of complexity to it. Uh, moderate moderate acidity and tartness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nice moderate to high funk level. Nice. Uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of complex flavors. That plays so it's going really well to pour up
2: pretty. It's going to... Yep,
3: yep, pretty golden color. Uh, and just a lot going on. Uh, fruit flavors. Very uh, Sauvignon Blanc-like in character. Nice. A lot of ripe fruit flavors in there. And a lot of good funkiness. What would an ABV be on that? Uh, I, I figured that out, but it's somewhere in the mid-seven, seven and a half. Nice, and that's, and you seven. know what? I, I tell you all the time, like, every beer you drink didn't have to be a
2: big eight or nine percent. Yeah. Because sometimes some people go a little crazy. Sometimes, like, it's okay to be able to actually drink a whole bomber, right? Yeah, nothing like, wrong with that. No, right. Yeah,
3: you know, sit down and, and yeah, drink a whole
2: hey everyone this is your man jeremy from the crown and collars podcast just
0: reminding you that you are listening to a CSPN media presentation and to check out crown and collars every wednesday so we can tell you what your aunt does when you're not around this episode of the beer it is podcast is sponsored by busted tees your home for funny awesome cool t-shirts that are sure to get your friends attention busted tees puts many of their popular shirt designs on sale each week Choose from several eye-catching t-shirts inspired by pop culture. Cleverly themed t-shirts inspired by movies, video games, TV shows, comic books, geek culture, and much more are on sale right now. To help keep our podcast free, you can order from Bust Tees by going to our official website, cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then clicking on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Busted Tees banner, and then you can shop for awesome t-shirts. Busted Tees through CSPN.us. Do it today.
2: Man, and that's a beautiful thing to get here at Slice and Pint, here in the Decatur, right near Emory Campus, on that North Decatur, South Oxford Road where you get to come down here. Nice little walkable area. Yeah. So if you have a couple you can kind of walk it off where you go back or yeah. you kind of walk before, kind of build up some build up some cattle you can burn on this beer, but the ability to make the beer brew it and first of all well let's go let's go back a step. Tell me about the hops in this particular beer if, if you can share I know somebody's kind of sensitive about that No but.
4: Uh, so we change when I say we make a different IPA every time we make an IPA it's the same malt backbone. Generally, it's the same yeast, but the yeast is really not that important mm-hmm. in an IPA. Right. Uh, and then we just we switch the hop schedule up every time. We just do completely different hops. When you've got a hundred different varieties, a hundred plus different varieties, why would you want to just use the same ones over and over again the same way? Uh, this one is all mosaic in mm. the uh, the bittering, flavor, and aroma additions. Uh, I believe we dry hop this uh, with two experimental varieties, the three four nine. Or a 342 and a 429.
2: They hadn't even um, named him yet.
4: They hadn't <laughs> even named him yet. I think 342 used to have a name, and then they got a trademark infringement or something. on I don't know exactly what that was. Uh, so they took it back and went back to the number until they come up with a, uh, a, a new name designation for it. Uh, but you really, really taste that Mosaic Hop in there. Uh, this is one of our highest-rated uh, IPAs on Untapped. Uh, so people apparently love the way we uh, we made it.
2: Nice. And there was the ABV on this,
4: and... That one's going to clock in about uh, 7.4, I think, 7.5. Yeah, slightly
2: like above sessionable, but yeah. still something that won't
4: knock in your butt if you just Absolutely. drink one. Yeah. yeah, you can have a couple, and, mm-hmm. uh, and you're, you're not going to be stumbling home. Uh, or you could have four or five, and you will be stumbling home. That's, Uber! I'm not, <laughs> I'm not here to judge, and yes, uh, I would like to say, um, no matter if you're drinking at my pub or if you're out somewhere else, keep it safe, everybody. Take Uber. You know, fifteen bucks to ride home is so much better than a couple thousand dollars in DUI. Yeah, hey, listen.
2: And by the way, good folks here on Beer It Is, man, we advocate: be safe, be sound, be secure. If you're not drinking at home, get your Uber, Lyft, whatever you yep, do, yep. Calf, designated driver. Be yep, safe, be, be safe. Better safe than sorry, man. Because yep. I tell you what, the DUIs are real out here. And yep. speaking of that, we're gonna go off that. Get back into the beer a little bit. Yeah, let's um, do that. Yeah, yeah, because that, that kind of gets boring, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about that nope. part. But, um. You guys have, I think, was it, 16 taps? Uh, total,
4: total available lines, we have uh, 21. 21 available lines. 21 okay. available lines. Uh, we're, our lines are a little bit empty right now because mm-hmm. we just had our anniversary and we pulled all these uh, torpedo kegs of these uh, aging beers. None less than, uh, or none younger than 11 months old. They were oh, all right. 11 months or older, uh, up to two years old. And we put all those on, and we really we wanted them to sell out, but we didn't know
2: how fast they were going to sell out. They sold out pretty quick. They than he sold
4: thought out pretty quick. <laughs> uh, what
2: well, means you have a good following there? Three years in the game, yeah, absolutely.
4: Um, we're really happy with that, and uh, so because of the success of those, uh, we're going to stop being so selfish, and we're going to start putting some more of these beers out there a little more often. So uh, we've got some barley wine that's fairly young, uh, but it's I don't want to say it's like at six months or so now. Uh, and some Belgian Doubles and some Triples, some Oak Triples, mm. uh, Oak Quads, Quads, um, Jack Daniel's Barrel Aged Quads, Rum Barrel Aged Quads, uh, just all this. Uh, oh, and the Russian Imperial Stouts, and those those are the ones we're really, really proud of, and we've been holding on to for about. So, a are year you now. Gonna,
2: are you are you are you doing the barrel aged in the Russian Imperials, or just? So that's the thing. We
4: have uh, we have six different variations on this Russian Imperial Stout. Oh my!
2: Tell me about that. We yeah, did uh, we
4: did a Jack Daniel's Barrel Aged one. Okay. Uh, we did a Nitro pour of the Jack Daniel's Barrel Aged.
2: Check check. Uh,
4: we did a um, Calva- No, not Calvados. I'm sorry. A cognac Barrel Aged. We did a Ruby Port, and then we have just a few kegs of the plain, unadulterated Russian Imperial Stout, and then we have one that I'm. We're gonna hold on to it for another year or so. But it's the one I'm most interested in. We took the Chimay yeast and we kept conditioned with the Chimay yeast mm. to see if it can pick up some of that Belgian character. And it's nice, I want to say our, this Russian Imperial is like 10 and a half. Oh, my. Uh, and it's big, full body, like what you would expect from a, a Russian Imperial stout.
2: Well, I mean, somebody has to take the place of Happy Inning. <coughs> Thanks, Sweetwater, for taking yeah. that off. So yeah. somebody's got to take the place of that, right? <laughs> and that was one of my favorite Sweetwater beers. It, it was, was the best it's actually. They made. I agree. I mean, that beer, the vanilla nose, everything on it was. As good as it gets, and I am like so disappointed. Um, I'm actually gonna be talking to Nick Knock in a couple weeks, and yeah, do
4: that. Give him yeah, a little, uh, give him a little bit of hell for that. Oh, I
2: definitely will, man. Cause that's a beer I be right, miss. Same way when I was at Red Brick, and I say, "Hey, man, you got to bring out the A Town Brown or
4: yeah, whatever version A-Town of that." A Brown was good. Yes, I uh, I actually interviewed with Red, or not interviewed. I sent my uh, resume in uh, right before Crawford hired me uh, to Red Brick because they were hiring a new brewer, mm-hmm. and. uh in my cover letter I mentioned. You guys got to bring back the A Town Brown. I was <laughs> that's like funny. I get getting rid of the Peachtree Pale Ale. It might not have been selling that well. Yeah, yeah that happened. is much better. I get that, but A Town Brown was so good. And I don't know if that completely
2: hurt my <laughs> chances of getting that job or not. <laughs> that's funny, but, but funny. hey, but it, it shows boldness and it shows yeah, and that you care about the, the product. product and I, I that you know what you. Yeah, you know yeah. who you're applying to. Yeah. And you care. I mean, and I think that's important in this business. Absolutely. And, you know, They've mentioned, well, I'll say a little birdie's told me that it yeah. may be in some form coming in the next It'd year be or It's a good
4: fall seasonal for them.
2: I totally agree. Yeah. too
4: bad for fall seasonal.
2: It's just a good beer. Yeah. But speaking of good beer, by the way, guys, and this is true. Beer It Is on the CSPN Network. My name is Mike Swillborn. Here at Slice of Pine my Man, Jamie Parker. And we're just kind of chatting about what he's doing. We're talking about the Atlanta beer scene. Because I mean Jamie's an Atlanta native I mean he's a guy who grew up here where'd you go to high school actually no I no no you're yeah, from here, here. I'm no, sorry no no
4: no. I've, just, I've been here for about 8 years now Eighties, yeah. I come from a small town in a dry county uh, in Alabama
2: oh good lord where We're We're in Alabama it's called Fort Payne I know Fort Payne actually it's funny I was just in Birmingham oh, um, wow. so I was at Good People Good People does some good work yeah and I was yeah. at Avondale a couple places there okay. so yeah. um, recording some stuff with those guys we'll talk about that a little bit off but yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Um, Alabama's on the to come up they, they Tuscaloosa's got some good stuff. Yep. Uh, Iron City, yeah. So uh, Huntsville has
4: uh, straight to L. Yes, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. They have, they've done some some stuff I enjoy. And then
2: I think Blue Pants is up there. Yeah. So yep. yeah, like
4: there's back 40s and Gadsden. Uh, that's really close to where I where I
2: grew up. Okay, so you're in that almost Opelika. No, 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 no You're going the no, other no, way. Northeast. northeast so, okay, you're going the other way. Okay. Closer to Rome, Georgia. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah, but. Alabama is on the come up in the beer scene, and I'm just really impressed. Like it's, it's all happened like the last like three years. Yes, yeah, like that's some really good. Yeah. Well, you know Auburn has a beer like major. Yeah,
4: yeah, now, they have so. a brewing science major. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. a buddy of mine, actually Grant, uh, that the trained me at Five Seasons, uh, is planning to. Uh, there's a lot of regulatory hurdles to we'll jump through, oh, but he's course. planning to opening a, a small tap house, uh, brew pub. In, uh, in Auburn.
2: Really? Yeah, hopefully. That would be awesome because, yeah. I mean, Auburn doesn't actually have, like, Opelika has a brewery, yeah. but yeah. Auburn itself doesn't have one nope. as of yet. So and he that would doesn't be... want to go watch a game and have a good freshly brewed craft beer. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's one of the good things about craft beer because you look at, because I wrote an article for AJC, like, ranking the SEC cities based upon craft beer. Yeah. So, literally, obviously, Athens, Athens had to be right at the top. Athens was number one, yeah. but Tuscaloosa was in my top four huh. because just of how good the breweries in that city are. I was When I went through that time, I was really shocked. Everywhere I went, yeah. had really good beer, and then it kind of went, like, Gainesville had some good stuff, which okay. I was yeah. surprised, um, to, considering that most Gator fans are dykes, But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, nonetheless, they apparently are starting to get out of the PBRs and yeah, yeah. actually walk on, you know, the back two legs and actually drink good beer. So, you know, that be But, no, but the thing is, like, uh, of course, Baton Rouge is up there because, I mean, there's some good breweries yeah, in that, yeah. that town, Columbia, Missouri, because, I mean, you get out of that St. Louis range. Yeah. But, yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised with Tuscaloosa like and equally disappointed with Auburn. So, hopefully, yeah. if your man's able to get it going, I although so. although will say this, Auburn has better beer laws than Georgia. Oh, yeah, Alabama. I think... So it's they can sell a, direct.
4: It's kind of a give give and take on the sell direct though. Right. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's only growlers. You can't do no, six packs. No, they can it's do only six packs. six-packs. Yeah. you can't do growlers. No, no, no,
2: no. Um, when I was at Good People, if I don't get them in trouble for this, but um, I bought six packs. I don't even want to say how much I spent, but I bought six packs and I bought um. They had a bottle release of okay. uh, their meal which was awesome, and I got um, yeah, I got six packs. They did growlers, huh. the whole nine. Yeah, growlers, growlers, growlers. I know what it is. It's, it's a 128-ounce limit. No, it, no it's no, even it's more than that. It's like two, 288. 288. So 288. That's all you can, yeah. Almost have, two gallons. Yeah. For, whatever, however gallons. you want to take it between Which the growlers. You, yeah, you, keg, you can do kegs. Yeah, you can do kegs. But, yeah, but, thing. so, yeah, like, you can buy up, say, if you're having a tailgate. Yeah. If you're over 21, because that's how it is on beer, it is. Uh, if you're having a tailgate, say if you're in Birmingham, you're going to go to Auburn, you're going to go to Bama wherever, and you're going to do a tailgate, you could buy a whole bunch of six-packs or crawlers or growlers yeah, yeah. or whatever up to 200 per person. Yeah,
4: up per to person. two, Up to 280. And you and your friends, of your friends in you guys got enough beer for the entire tailgate. Exactly. Everybody.
2: Yeah, exactly. You guys each buy 200 gallons, however that equals up. Yeah. And, yeah, now they're still under the three-tier system.
4: This is Tim Dogg from the Comic Book Chronicles. Make sure to join myself, Agent 70, Dirt, and Roddy Cat live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time as we discuss the latest breaking comic book news and also review the new comic books each week along with discussing TV shows, movies, and much more. And make sure to go to our website, theclicknation.com. You can listen to the Compa Chronicles every Friday by subscribing to the Code Slither Podcast Network.
5: No, we really want to keep our QC solid, so the courageous conductor is now going to become the Christmas beer.
2: Okay, so you mentioned two beers. Explain to us, we'll start with
5: the and Knocker. I like that beer, but the audience may not know
2: what it is. Explain to oh, us what knockers
5: are eggnog milk stout. It's one of my original, very original homebrew recipes from like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a big, big milk stout. It's 13%. Uh, we add vanilla. We add uh, basically everything you would find in, a, in an eggnog: nutmeg, allspice, all lactose, milk, sugar, and vanilla into it, and uh, a little bit. Of, and we're soaking rum spirals right now. We've had them soaking for a couple months, and so we're going to put those in in the beer. we are sitting now. We're only going to make 90, 90 gallons of it this year. Right. One because our tanks are too busy being amazingly full with shandy, Dragger, Zeke. and we have a rotating tank now set up that's going to be. Once we got conductor out of it on Monday, Fighting Bishop's gonna go in. After Fighting Bishop's out, we got Old Wooden Head. So between now and probably mid January, you're gonna see Fighting Bishop return and Old Wooden Head, which is our our big double IPA, the 10% IPA.
2: Nice, and again, this is Tobias Wilborn here. For Beer It Is, for our holiday wrap up condition, we're going all over the place talking to different brewers. And back here at Burnt Hickory in Kennesaw.
5: Kennesaw, Georgia. Up in the mountain area of the state, man. Yeah, there's one mountain here. Well, you yeah, know, mountainous. It's mountainous, yeah. It's mountainous. a little it's a little curvy up here. Why? Right. I like curvy. And yeah, I like dark and chocolate. So, yeah, so it's Black that's f- why. It's Black Friday, so I figure, you know, why not bring out some of the, I mean, we've literally got like nine, nine to ten different dark beers on. Wow. Yeah.
2: And, and so you mentioned that beer that had the red velvet. Yeah, that's the greatest Conductor. Okay, so, man, is that for the brothers, man? Because, you know, brothers love the red velvet
5: cake, man. They do. Yes. Well, not I wonder why the you're here. Well, that's why, why is... I like it so much. Well, that's why I like it. Yeah, See? You know? uh, the greatest <laughs> Conductor is, um, here in Kennesaw, the local lore is that during the Civil War, there was a guy named William Fuller, and I'll tell the story short, who was a, a conductor on the on the train that went from Atlanta to Chattanooga. His girlfriend tells him, Every, all the other men in town have joined the Army, a veteran army. You need to join too. So he goes off to the off the recruitment office. They tell him, no, we need you on the train. The train's more important. to keep running, keep supplies between Chattanooga and Atlanta. So he has got, basically gets dumped. So he's, you know, he's basically just a conductor on this train. <laughs> and, he, and lo and behold, these union spies come down and and hijack the train. And he chases it down like those little pump carts. Chases it down and he gets the train back. It's a true story. They made him Buster Keaton made a movie of it in the twenties. Uh, Disney made a movie of it called the Great Locomotive Chase in the fifties. So it's one of, wow. it's a local lore and it's nothing really to do with the kind of the creepy evil side of the Civil War but this is more kind of a guy's one guy trying to you know prove that he is he's manly if you saw him he's a little skinny guy (laughs) little skinny guy but he was in love with his train so much the general that he had to go go get it plus the courageous conductor and porters are beers that were made for the conductors on the trains in England so our our porter is named after this local conductor, so it's kind of a good porter conductor, band, yeah, yes. So, with the backstory, but you go downtown Kennesaw, there's all these, you know, statues to William Fuller and the train, the actual engines down there. It's a, it's a, it's it, it's a, it's one of the better local lore stories from the Civil War because basically, Kennesaw during the Civil War was the only battle the Confederates could say they actually had any kind of forward progress in. And then they basically they basically pissed off Sherman here, and then he went around the mountain and then burned. The, you know what happened? Right, right, right. Twelve minutes—the whole story of Sherman hey, coming through Atlanta. Oh yeah, and all the way yeah, down, oh, yeah. So. He yeah. came through and he had a big barbecue. But right. you know, you know <laughs> and I don't want to lock into the Civil War no, stuff. No, but, too but much. it's good stuff. The are back, but people go, "Oh, you're a Civil War brewery. Where yours, Robert E. Lee beer?" I'm like, no, you no. Know. It's all about people that were here in our town. Like we've got beers named after Union generals and and Union myths and Confederate myths. It's all just here in our town. So the conductor is. One of the, big, the, like, probably the biggest story. I mean, the stories are the stories, but... But it's, it's local. It's, I mean, it's local. Yeah, it's local. And that beer is just really smooth. Yeah. So that's why I love my original Red. If people who follow Burn Hickory remember, the Courageous Conductor used to be called Bliss Blood. Oh. And I just hated that name so much. But anyway, so it became the Courageous Conductor. So how did you come up with the
2: concept for Red Velvet, and what did you end up doing with um, that beer?
5: Basically, that um, at the time, I think it was Great Divide. Or some brewery that was not here in town, but like Colorado, mm-hmm. um, had a raspberry porter. And mm-hmm. Raspberry porter is kind of common. I'm thinking, okay, how can I dress it up a little bit? So basically, it's raspberry and cherry, a little bit of uh, a tiny bit of vanilla in it. Mm-hmm. So like 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 like, lactose or no? There's no lactose in it. It's what okay. you're. It's a your, it's a it's a high mash temp. Mm-hmm. A high mash temp. Um, um, fermentation. Nice with um. So it's a lot of body, a little vanilla to sweeten it up, and then it's cherries and raspberries for that. Oh, that's so. Right. It's it's a basically it's a fruited stout, right? I mean, although but it's a porter. But my favorite well, it's probably. But people argue with me about porters. They go, how can I, it's too big to be a porter? I'm like, well, okay. Well, hey, but you know what though? Forget them. Yeah. I, I, I- <laughs> Because no. be, people are like, are you guys going to enter the GABF this year? I think all my beers will be disqualified because they're never in the right, you know, exact style and everything. Yeah, I'd be like, you have know, Cannon Dragon. That's not an IPA. That's a double IPA. I go, oh yeah, I guess you're right. Big Shanny That's not a. If you had to tell what Big Shanny was, Big Shanny is an experimental spiced milk style. Right, <laughs> it's the, well, I just I call it stout. Maybe right. call it an imperial stout. Maybe you know? no, no, it's it's, it's a double way. Out of, well, not to get into the whole thing. Yeah, but the way no, they break all down the. I mean, the beers that do win are right on dead to style and are excellent. It's just that some of our beers just don't fit into those categories. But hey, but I think that's
2: one of the things reasons why I like you so much and like your brews so much because you don't give a damn about style. You kind of just do what.
5: Works. Yeah, not, I mean, I understand style, but I want to work within that. It's right. like with music. I'm not going to say, you know. You know, I'm going to add, like, you know, a banjo to a thrash metal song, right? That, right. May, that may not work, but it may sound pretty cool. I'm not going to worry about what people say about the style. It's just the main thing is that it's good. I'm not going to put a beer out. I mean, you may not like it, but it's going to be a solid beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had some mistakes, but, you know, uh, there have been some that we, you come up, you know. And Crazy Conductor, like I said, I shopped it. Like, I made it as a homebrew for, like, three years before I went pro with it. So, so now, how long did you homebrew, man? About 20 years. I didn't really get serious until I figured out how to do it. I was back there in the days with the cans of the extract and the little oh, packet that yeah. says yeast. The packet says hops. And you blend them together and all that stuff. But then, I don't know, maybe I'll... The Mr. Beer fig- kit. Yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I was 91. I started doing that. I got really into it. The name of my, brewer- my beer was Newt Sock like nut sack, mm-hmm. sock, and my brew is boot crack, like butt crack. Okay, That's funny. That's funny. But then then I got, when I moved here to Georgia, it became kind of painfully obvious I couldn't get the beer I wanted here. Right. So I really stepped up my game. I got John Palmer's uh, book, which is the How to Brew, which mm-hmm. talks about doing the full boils, full match boils, yes. and you know, all grain and all that. So mm-hmm. if any home brewers are listening, not to say extracts aren't good, but please go to all grain as fast as, fast as you can, because you'll not believe how much better your beer will be.
2: And it's just such a simple science to Go to all grain. It's just doing
5: it. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's an investment. It, it's oh yeah, it's an investment. <laughs> but I mean, but you can do it. You can build a lot of stuff on your own. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, but there's no people come like, oh my beer is just as good as so and so. And I go like, hey, your beer should be better than mine. You make five gallons of it. It's like you got all the resources out there now. If you're a home brewer, you've got uh, you you got you you've you got as mm-hmm. eighty to hundred strains of yeast. Hundreds you can different get, varieties yeah. of hops, different types of grains. There's homebrew stores all over the place, and if not, you can order off the web. Mm-hmm. You know, all you pretty much need is the time and the place. And yeah. not, not there's instructional um, videos online. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I always say, you know, hey, if it's not good, just blend it with Miller Light. Fair enough. That's a show not but <laughs> said, my beers all flat. And said, okay, look, go buy some Miller Light and just add to it. To some so I mean, don't give it to anybody. saying it's your beer, but. It may not be good, but at least get you drunk. There you go. Not that I hey, condone getting drunk with beer. But.
2: Well, of course, I keep mine on. Yes. beer it is here on the CSP Network. My name is Tobias Wilborn. Here with my
5: man, Scott Atbert Hickory. Remember, over 21 only if you're going to be drinking. Yes, and uh, bibe, imbibe safely. I haven't been drinking, actually, but once it's imbibe or participate safely or... Have a designated driver. Or, right. We all, I mean, you, know, we, you know, I get into that. sometimes that argument, Like about, you know, we have a lot of high-gravity beers, and people are like, you know, I'm not in the business of making malt liquor. I mean, it, you add any type of ingredient to a beer, it, the yeast is going to eat it up, and your your ABV is going to shoot up real fast. Right. It's very – you could be over 6% in no time. All right. So, so a lot of people are like, oh, you guys make other big beers. I'm like – I really don't mean to make a big beer. I'm just going for the flavor. A lot of people are surprised by the alcohol level because they really don't taste. Well, Big Shandy people are like, tell, thinking it's like 5%. I'm like, no, it's No, nine. it's 9%. Yeah. And, but you guys sell it in four packs. Yeah, yeah. We don't, um, yeah. Yeah, or we'll sell it in bomb or something. Bomb, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not doing king cans on it. No, I mean, because that would just get people. But, but it's such a good beer. Yeah, thanks. It's
2: um, really I'm, si- I don't, again, I'm not just saying that because you're sitting here. Yeah. Like, I, you know, you want my right beer. You want us to, like, you'll see. I yeah, speak yeah. highly of it. Like, um... The graham
5: cracker stuff, How'd you come up with that, man? And how'd you get it to where it is? Same kind of deal. Same kind of deal. Um, um, I wanted to have a beer that I couldn't get in Georgia. I really like Terrapin's Wake and Bake a lot, mm-hmm. but they only put it out once a year. So right. I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know what? I'm going to try and make my own version of it. How do I beef it up a little bit? Without mm-hmm. cloning it, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's a basic stout, basic stout that that we do a little. We raise the mash temperature, let me get a little bit more body, and then we'll use graham cracker. Mm. And a little touch of it, an like, actual a, a, graham cracker graham yeah. cracker and cinnamon into it nice. just, just enough to give it that kind of oatmeal cookie raisin smell but it's graham cracker so it's I mean and you know it just kind of rolls off your tongue graham cracker stout yeah so I mean it feels so, good yeah it, it's good so I mean and, and it's a it's not it's ex, it's not that expensive to make it's funny I can go buy the graham cracker crumbs by you know I actually went out back I got these ills living in a tree behind them <laughs> like, you know, keep making them graham cracker's bitch. But, <laughs> get it mean, right yeah get it right get it right else, get it tight. And so yes, yeah, no, but I get like, you know, you can buy like fifty pound sacks of graham cracker crumbs. That's we and we actually put it right in the boil, let that's it awesome, settle out. It got some flavor to it. So that's a beautiful thing, and just being able to do that, and being able to have so much autonomy over what you do. That's true. If you're the owner of the business, there's nobody's gonna walk in the door and tell me, here's what I need you to do tomorrow. I mean, sometimes it's dedicated. I'll dedicate it based on, like, I'll talk to my distributor and say, okay, what do you guys need out there more? That will that will be the only thing that would change what beer we brew, when we brew, just because we need to get it get it out. Mm-hmm. The charred walls of the dam didn't happen this year because we were in the middle of digits mania, and we didn't really have this time. That beer got off so well, man. Yeah, and then we're, it's back. It'll be back in February. It's really a, a spring, summer seasonal, mm-hmm. but we had to sit there. We kind of missed the window where we would like to have made charred walls uh-huh. and um, have it turn out exactly, so we kind of pushed it off. Cause we knew we had Noggin Knocker coming, Courageous Conductor uh, coming, down the, coming down the pipe, so we wanted to make sure that, you know, we took so charred walls, and we're actually going to be at this Decibel Metal Festival in, the, in April. Yeah, I saw you talking with about the that, dudes man. With the dudes from Charred Walls in the dam, so we'll have it definitely by then to take. So, yeah. We'll I mean,
2: because like, I, I still have my 2015 of that still, well, I bought two. I bought one, I drank it, took it to a bottle share, People like lapped it up like yeah, it's a good crazy bourbon
5: barrel aged quad. Yes,
2: man. and it just it blew people's minds. Um, I was at a bar- I was at a bottle share up there, Southern Tier. I was up in New York, sure. took it up there, and people just went ape shit for it. So I wanted to tell you
5: that. But the other thing, so I got one. I'm still holding. I guess I had to hold it a little longer agent. now. I-, I say agent because it's just we have I have maybe. Four bottles left of the 2011 version. Oh my god, I can and imagine how that... I, I don't even know. I don't want to open them, I don't know what to think about them because well, we had two versions that year we had a brandy barrel one and a whiskey barrel one. Oh my goodness, so now we just make the whiskey version. So there's a brandy variant that's like there's only like maybe two bottles. I've got stashed somewhere
2: in the world, yeah.
5: No, I got I, you. Have. No, if anybody has some of those, bring them back. <laughs> They're no good, bring them back. We'll exchange them for uh Bud Light, all I the mean, Bud Light you want, yeah, all the Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, <laughs>
2: up, I'm Bud Light. Miller there you Light. go. You yeah. are being nice. MBEV and, and yeah, all those okay. guys. Yeah. There's some Bud here. <laughs> all right, everybody. The name of the show is Beer It Is. My name is Nubaius Wilborn, and I'm here at the Carolina Barnhouse in Anderson, South Carolina, a.k.a. the Kakalaki. And we are here, a stone stroll from the Clemson campus, as they're getting ready to get in their bowl game, 2017, off to a good start, and I am here with one of the the brewers of these Artisan Ales, as they call them, and we're going to talk about it, we're going to sip a couple, and he is going to put us on, none other than Keaston Helfrich. So first of all, man, you got to tell me, how the hell did you end up in 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 South Carolina?
1: (laughs) Um, born and raised outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. Um, you know, wife and I one day woke up and hated winter, so we moved south. Uh, moved to Asheville for five years. Nice. I saw yeah,
2: Asheville extension on the... Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, decided that wasn't far enough south, so... He <laughs> you know. getting a little bit of snow in Asheville. Yeah, a little bit. Still little cold. Bit. Yeah. You know. Got a job in Greenville. Ended up with a job in Anderson. Uh, moved here. Uh was a corporate gig. Wasn't real fond of it, so... Uh, Kind of ended up here. Decided to start a brewery. So, okay, you're, you're from Pittsburgh, right? So, how many
2: Permati's Brothers sandwiches you eat over the years?
1: Oh, I couldn't even count.
2: Hundreds <laughs> <100% laughs> of them with the fries. Oh yeah. oh yeah, man, Oh, that's yeah. good eating, man. But did you? Were you into the craft beer scene then, or did you get into it later?
1: No, I got into the craft beer scene um, probably when I took a little side tour to Cleveland to go to college. Um, oh, nice. Okay, it was it was right back when. Well, uh, where were you in school in Cleveland? Uh, Cleveland Institute of Art, and then Case yeah. Western Reserve University. Yeah, no, I lived in Cleveland, so yeah, okay, i about that, yeah, yeah, I lived there for quite some time, too. Yeah, yeah,
2: The land. So you drink a lot of Great Lakes. Oh, yeah, Great Lakes um, was, Thirsty that was my craft
1: beer gateway. It was Great Lakes.
2: What, what years were that, if you don't mind?
1: Uh, that would have been 91 until 2001.
2: Oh, yeah, so that it literally oh, was yeah. Great yeah, Lakes. Yeah, well,
1: it was, yeah, there was just, that was, was the only it. thing there. There was a brewery called Cricket River. I don't know if they're still yeah, there Yeah, they're anywhere. not there, yeah. yeah. They,
2: they had some couple good things, but yeah, yeah. um now in the cleveland help just on west 25th oh yeah
1: it's for those of you
2: guys know there's, there's like eight breweries within three miles of mm-hmm. great lakes when great lakes was that original spot on west with nobody else was yep, there. The only ones there and now it's so much just brew pubs brew houses and everything so what were you drinking from great lakes do you remember uh great lakes elliot nest christmas, oh, yes. christmas Ale,
1: Dortmunder gold still love christmas sales i do yeah. too
2: man did you? Did you do the powdered sugar? Or did you just drink it straight. I drank
1: it straight. I didn't want oh, powdered yeah. sugar. It was great the way it was. I thought.
2: <laughs> Me too, man. That's still a good beer. And I actually barrel aging that beer now.
1: Oh, that would be fantastic.
2: Yeah, and they, there's this a whiskey company, Cleveland Whiskey, that makes um, distilled whiskeys and oh. bourbons and stuff. They, they do a Christmas sale whiskey, but then they oh, bought man. the barrel. Yeah, so the whiskey is amazing because it has those the same the coriander, the orange. Mm-hmm. And all those different flavors. And then they take those barrels and age the Christmas, Eve, Christmas ale into that. So oh, and I they come in so bombers. Bad. Yeah, yeah I, we'll, we'll talk <laughs> after this. I may be able to get you a bottle. All right, all right. Um, it's a really good beer. But anyway, enough about that, man, because we'll talk about that all day. Just the Cleveland area experience of drinking crap beer. So you were drinking crap beer. In the '90s and 2000s, what oh, was yeah. it, what was it like then? Because it had to be like almost the dark ages of drinking craft beer, right?
1: Um, it kind of was, but I mean, again, I was lucky to live in a city where they had something like Great Lakes back, then. right? So it wasn't just limited to what you get on the shelf. Because I don't even think um, they got Sierra Nevada Pale Ale back then. Probably
2: not. No, yeah, yeah the, distribution it was, was not mostly English
1: beers. Um,
2: like in Newcastle? Yeah,
1: Newcastle. Ba- the original bass formula, which wasn't mm-hmm. bad. Um, a lot of Belgians. You know, we had a decent Belgian bar in town even back then. Yeah. So. And so from there,
2: how did you get into brewing?
1: Um, bought a kit about, t- what, 12 years ago now? Oh, my. Decided to try it out. You know, the, the canned syrups yep. that. Yeah, extracts. Yeah, did a couple of those and just, mm-hmm. you know, started to read about all grain and decided didn't sound that hard. so put together the kit started doing it, you know. Made a whole lot of bad beer for a while, started to get better. Nice, nice. And then um, about five or so years ago, I met my business partner, David, and um, he was working on a project at Clemson, a creative inquiry with one of the students where they were capturing and collecting wild yeast locally. Nice. So I was the first beta brewer for their testing Mm because I was making Belgian styles at the time, and, you know, he loved my beer, and we we started... uh, I started playing with those yeasts and I found after a while I was just using those yeasts exclusively. Wow. Just all these native fermented yeasts. And then we you know got to kicking around the idea that we could start a business doing this. And so but let's get back into your
2: brew story, right? Okay. So you're brewing can, you know, the packet oh, that yeah. says hops. Oh yeah. The packet that says grain, yeast. Yeah. yeast. Yeah. And like there you was said, no
1: grain back then. Yeah.
2: It was not even grain, it was just <laughs> yeast flavor (laughs) yeah a little package yeah I mean because anybody who's brewed you kind of start on those kind of see if you can actually figure the chemistry out right Yeah, to do more than anything Mm -hmm. but what was your first good beer that you brewed do you remember um
1: honestly I don't <laughs> <laughs> I think it really started to gel for me when I got away from brewing like pale ales, IPAs, ESPs, things like that. Started right. brewing the Belgian styles. That's probably my first saison that I made.
2: Oh, saison! Okay, you talk know. to me about that beer. Do you remember it?
1: Um, I don't remember the particulars anymore. Mm-hmm. It was, um, you know, it was probably I was brewing all grain at that point. It was probably pilsner base. Nice. A um, little bit on malted local wheat because I was always the local ingredients mm-hmm. when I could get them. Um, and probably just use something like a white French Saison.
2: Yeah. And so you weren't using that many hops, obviously, because it's a Saison. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, and that probably made it a lot easier, too, because you wouldn't have to, like, sourcing hops at the time. True,
1: true. Well, right. I mean, for Humber, it's a little easier, because Humber shops have a wide selection. True. But.
2: And it's enough of what you guys do. Yeah. So, now you go from the kit, you were probably even on the stove when the first kit, right? Oh, yeah, I was on the stove at home, you know, didn't have turkey boil, fry. It got a little bit of boil. Oh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah, wasn't getting any real caramelization, just barely boiling the water. Yeah, those little yeah.
2: off just enough, you know. And so, what'd you go from that to?
1: Uh, from that, I went and got the, the turkey fryer. Oh, yeah. You know, 15 gallon pot, did uh, nice. brew in a bag because that was hot back then. Because mm-hmm. I figured, you know, homebrewers are cheap.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. right, so, right.
1: you know, I, I figured if I didn't need a mash tun or any of that, I could just mash in the kettle. So, tried that for a while.
2: I mean, there, there are some breweries, some big breweries that that mash in kettles. So, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's not unheard of.
1: No, I mean, it's a fine method of brewing. I right. think. I mean, I've, some days it's so much more expedient than right. It is. It's very efficient and, and loudering and all that. I mean, you just you, you what you lose is some efficiency when you're brewing a bag. Right. Which for homebrew's trade off. You know, yeah. how many more hours do you want out of your Saturday?
2: Fair enough. <laughs> so you were having from there, right? So you're brewing the stuff, mm-hmm. and you finally come up on a good, couple good ones yep then you, meet, then you meet my man David yep how did that come to deciding to get in business
1: um that was just like I said I started testing these strains really enjoying what was happening um because they were yeast flavors yeast character in the beer that I had never tasted before mm. and really are 100% unique to this area mm. so that's again the whole local kick is we, you know I was creating beers that nobody else in the world could make essentially because they didn't have access to the materials at the time right so, you know, started doing uh, saisons, um, a wild farmhouse rye IPA with locally malted rye, wild yeast. Nice. You know, hops are still sourced from Pacific Northwest. Of course, yeah. It's, I mean, it's where the hops is. come from? Yeah, and, it's, and
2: they're all pelletized or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. I mean and by the way, guys, you know, um, I'm lucky. I have a nationwide listener base. So down south, generally. We just don't grow hops down here.
1: No, they're trying. They're right?
2: trying. Yeah. I mean, I know University of Florida, they they have like an indoor spot. I think Auburn's trying to do a couple of things.
1: Yeah, in West hearing, North Carolina, there's a bunch going on. Yeah,
2: so I'm hearing like people are trying. It's just, you know, we're a little bit behind on the beer scene, you know, when it comes to that part of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going to get the source. But speaking of being behind on the beer scene, one place where you'll be ahead on the beer scene each and every week is here on Beer. It is on the CSP Network. My name is Nubias Wilborn. I am here at the Carolina Barnhouse. And it's B A U R E N H A U S. And my man, Kirsten, will explain to us what that means, how it means, when we come back on the other side. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, everyone, this is Classic of the CSPN. Do you like the podcast that you're hearing so far? Well, you can help us out. Keep our podcast free for you by shopping at Amazon. Visit our website, cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, you can shop for music, books, Blu-rays, DVDs, toys, jewelry, apparel, and much more. All with the discounts, quality, and shipping reputation that Amazon has to offer, and all through the CSPN. So, help us out. Go to cspn.us, click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link, and shop at Amazon through us. Do it today.
2: All right, boys and girls. So we're back here. My name is Bryce Woolborn Here on Beer It Is,
1: back at the Carolina Barn House, and I love
2: the way it's spelled. In fact, in fact, let's get into that spelling a little bit. Why I just spell that way? Give us some. Sure. I have an idea, but let's tell the audience.
1: Yeah, um, it, Barnhouse House is essentially German for farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, Carolina Farmhouse would just be a little too generic. Right, right. Carolina Farmhouse, yeah. Yeah, we we look for spelling general languages, and Baron House just seemed to fit. uh, Because we're looking at, you know, we brew some really old styles Mm -hmm. of sour beer. We brew a lot of our own um, that we, you know, riff on old Belgian styles. So we wanted a name that was kind of rustic that fit what we call our rustic refined fine beers.
2: So I, I, your name is Helfrich? Yes. That's German, obviously. Oh, yes. But, I mean, is that how you got into the German styles or Belgian styles? Or... Yeah. Um...
1: No, I mean, is, when I started... Central that like an heritage? Um, I mean, there is a lot of uh, beer that runs through my family's blood. I mean, my grandfather was a, uh, the chief accountant for Heilman back in Baltimore. <coughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Yeah, back when they owned Natty Bow and uh, yes. Hams mm-hmm. and a lot of those other brands. Yeah, so. people
2: sleep on the good Natty Bows, man. Oh, yeah. You give me a good Natty Bow on a nice warm day, it's all right.
1: Yeah, then on my mom's side, you know, we had an aunt that owned a beer distributorship in Pennsylvania. So, oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of beer in my blood. Nice. <laughs> So that's interesting.
2: You mentioned distributors, man. So we're we're gonna talk about the relationship with distributors and different things like that a little bit later. So okay. that's, it's kind of so interesting. You kind of can see the game from both sides. But let's talk a little beer. I sure. just finished your stout, ten percent, and it's beautiful. Like yep. it's nitroed, it pours up glorious, nice cascade. Well, there you tell it. us about this beer, man.
1: Um, it's our Belgian style imperial stout called Nacht, which is German for night. And actually, the version you have has a wood fired cold brew coffee in it so that we have a mm. roaster up in Clemson that roasts all their coffee beans over oak wood fire. Mm. So it's a completely different flavor from a lot of other coffees overhead and then we cold brew that up. We put it in this big imperial stout base. It's um <coughs> excuse me. It's uh bourbon barrel <coughs> aged. Oh yeah. Yeah, so, so we. What bourbon
2: barrels did you use? Do you? Uh,
1: this was Heaven Hill barrels. Oh yeah,
2: Heaven Hill. That's that's the way to go. Oh uh,
1: yeah, we've made it in Heaven Hill. We've made it in local distillery, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Corners barrels. Okay. made it in some barrels for six and twenty before. Yeah, I've seen a few of
2: your barrels, and let's go from there. Let's get into your barreling program because you guys grew on a three barrel system. Right. Um, for the audience at home, that's nano brewing at its finest. Yes, we have been to Sweetwater, where they brew on a four hundred barrel system. We've been to Southern Tier, where they're growing on a two fifty. And we're here. It's a three-barrel system. Tell us about it. Tell us how it works. And just kind of give the audience, you know, as in limited terms as possible, how much beer you guys produce a year?
1: Sure. I mean, we, we basically produce uh, three barrels at a time, which is a little over 90 gallons right. in every batch. So, you know, 90 gallons is not a lot of beer in it's the not a lot of beer. Of nope. But it allows us the ability to experiment a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, with the Imperial mm-hmm. Stout, we actually have to do... Um, about three batches of it to fill the barrels because we boil it down so much to get the gravity up. Mm -hmm. So we actually end up coming out with a little under two barrels every time we brew it, about 60 gallons of beer finished. That's not cheap to do. No, it's not. But, I mean, the beer's worth it, I think. Well, there you you go. We're always going to do what's right by the beer. And, you know,
2: that's that's really appreciated because... And I think that's an interesting thing because you get into, like, profit margins and, okay, well, how much can we make when we're making this expensive beer? But if you're not making good beer... People ain't gonna come see.
1: You. Right, exactly. So, so we <laughs> we think the beer's got to be quality all the time because, especially, we're so small. You know, we can't cheat on anything.
2: And speaking of cheating on anything, I tell you what—you don't cheat on. You don't cheat on the weekly downloads on beer. It is. My name is Tobias Woolborn. I am here at the Carolina Barnhouse, and I am rocking with a man, Keyston Helfrich. That's a beautiful name. This bearded beauty here—he's gonna rock with <laughs> us—and. We're about to try another beer of his. It think it's the strawberry. Yeah, a
1: strawberry farmhouse ale. Yes. Um, that's a rye-based saison made with rye malted malted rye from Riverbend Malt House in North Carolina. Nice. Um, it's a darker saison-style beer. Okay. So a little bit of color malt in there, mm-hmm. a little caramel malt, uh, some eunuch and then we age that on about 200 pounds of strawberries from. Nice. So let's get some of that mm mm-hmm.